everyone. I'm B, And I'm Kate. And we're your hosts for On the Inside. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to On the Inside. Got Kate here with us. Hey, how y'all doing? All right, we are lucky enough to be with uh, Lauren Gallagher, and she is in New York City in the Upper East Side um, and works uh, in the book industry. So we're really excited to hear from her, and I will let you say hello, Lauren. Hello. How are you doing? I am okay. I have a nice, beautiful cocktail in my hand and a very pretty vintage glass covered with watermelons. That's Ooh. making me smile right now. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what cock? What kind of cocktail? Um, it is the British, what I call the British sangria. It's uh, Pims, which is uh, a mysterious gin-based uh, liquor you can buy and you traditionally fill the glass with cucumbers, strawberries, mint, lemon, and lime. Um, and you use, you mix the, uh, pims with either lemonade or ginger ale. Mm, that sounds yeah. good. So that. if you ever watch Wimbledon, it's what everybody drinks at Wimbledon. Oh, Okay. It's like, it's, it's a kind of like a summery, springy gin punch, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, it's delicious and I'm finding, I'm finding like sort of treating myself to certain things. Like I could have done it lazy style and done it kind of gin and juice style, but I was like, no, I'm going to cut up all the things because I actually have them right now and it, I feel much better looking at my little punch drink. (laughs) (laughs) What are you drinking over there, uh, Bridget? I just got water. Got my hydro flask. Gotta keep hydrated, everybody. <laughs> Lauren, I'm doing a sober quarantine, so no alcohol. Oh, for okay. Me. I I would recommend that also. Um, I I definitely have to be careful with my consumption right now, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Me too, but I am drinking water and I have some rosé in my glass, so I'm doing the water and the wine, no religious affiliation, it's just what's happening. <laughs> Even your water's not turning into wine. Well, not yet, but the longer I'm inside, it might, it might turn into wine. <laughs> so tell us, Lauren, you have been inside in New York City for a while. What has it been like so far? Uh, It's definitely been interesting. Uh, Unlike some other New Yorkers, I have been staying inside even more than most. I've only been outside twice since March 14th. Um, And the last time I went outside was last Saturday. It was a really beautiful day. I knew things would be crowded, but I just gotten a mask finally in the mail. So... I walked towards, I live not too far from Central Park. Um, that's my nearest green space. Um, that is not also, uh, I'm also close to the East River, but the last time I was there in early March, it was way too crowded. It's a very narrow strip, um, and a lot of runners and cyclists use it. So uh, I have a pre-existing lung condition, so I kind of need to be careful. 
Um, so I went to Central Park and I saw some of the trees in bloom, but I didn't go into the park. It was way too crowded and I saw too many people not wearing masks and not social distancing. So I turned around when I saw the COVID tents across from Mount Sinai, um, where they have ER camps set up in Central Park because the ERs are full. Um, I was like, okay, this is time to go home now. Um, but, you know, I managed to stay away from other people pretty well. Um, but it, it, it was lower anxiety than the last time I was out in early March where it was kind of before the city had fully shut down. So a lot of people didn't believe in the seriousness of what was happening. Mm, yeah. Um, I saw way more people taking precautions this time. So, but I saw enough people not doing it and we are just so densely populated here. Um, you know, there's, if I go, I try to only go downstairs to check my mail twice a week for example, because the hallway downstairs is so narrow. Um, you can have a few inches between you, but that's it. Certainly not mm-hmm. six feet if someone else comes in. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of following all the protocols like everyone else. And my main entertainment is looking across the street into my neighbor's window where they have a very cute cat. Oh, he sometimes goes in the window and I get very excited when I can see the cat. <laughs> 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 the little joys of quarantine. Yeah. They seem like a very cute couple. It's it's a couple and they they seem like they're taking it very seriously. I've I've seen them throw garbage their their main garbage trash out their window so they don't go downstairs. Like that's how hardcore they are. Oh wow. <laughs> that's crazy. They, hold on, hold on. Are they just throwing it outside or are they throwing it into a bag down to like camp? It's in it's in a bag and they are throwing it out into the appropriate location for their building so like they're aiming accordingly um but yeah they're pretty they're pretty hardcore which i appreciate as someone that um could have more complications if they get this um so uh but they they seem they seem really nice i kind of want to send them a note (laughs) when this is over and be like thank you for your cat (laughs) Um, and there's a kestrel, which is this very small falcon that has started nesting in their building a couple stories above them. So I've been watching oh, oh, kestrels, cool. beautiful and a little unusual. We do have them here, but you don't usually see them. Yeah. Yeah, the wildlife is coming back in everywhere, I feel like. Just so many more birds that are just so loud now. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, the cities are so much quieter. New York is, mm. uh, it's, it's odd. It's, um, I've gotten used to the quiet and I'm pretty grateful for it. The downside is that when you do hear something, it is a siren or someone on the street not having such a good time most of the time. Um, you know, arguments or something like that is kind of like what you hear. And normally the traffic and all kinds of things would drown that out. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't mind it being quieter. I have to say uh, living in New York can be kind of toxic on its own on a good day. Just when things are operating normally, it's a pretty full on place to live, especially in Manhattan, I think. 
I'm in a quieter part of Manhattan, but it's certainly busy. So, um, and, and during the week, during weekdays and their deliveries and things like that happening, it's actually still pretty busy. There are traffic jams and people honking their horns. It's still very New York, uh, at times. Mm-hmm. So what are your coordinates or semi coordinates that you feel comfortable sharing? What, what are your street coordinates? Oh, I'm in I'm in the neighborhood called Yorkville, but I'm on the East Harlem border. So okay. I'm e- I'm east of Lexington, which means I'm not really Upper East Side, and yes. I'm just I'm like two or three blocks south of East Harlem. Okay. So I'm I'm in the I'm in the 90s between Second uh, and First Ave. So okay. I'm close to the East River, which you know it has a really nice park and walkway. It's just that New Yorkers have so few places to go right now. Um, those areas actually get very densely packed at the minute. Unlike European cities, they have not closed those spaces yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it must be rough in New York. Like no one has a backyard, you know. So it's just like people don't have anywhere to go to like get air. I'm lucky. I do have a fire escape, which um, I'm very fortunate to have a a street facing apartment, which was actually something I really wanted when I found this place. It was this is my first apartment I've ever lived in alone. I've Mm. always had roommates and I moved here three or four years ago. It was very exciting. I got the job I currently have at my museum, I, I was finally, like, earning a quote-unquote real salary for the first time in my life, and I could afford my own place, and uh, I wanted to stay in Brooklyn, but Brooklyn was too expensive, so I ended up here, um, which is great because I can walk to my job, so um, normally. <laughs> I'm obviously not doing that right now. Um but yeah, I face I face south and I face the street, so I have a sense of openness. I'm not looking at a brick wall like some of my friends, and I have a tiny. I have half a fire escape. My neighbors have the other half, and between one thirty and two thirty, I usually get direct sunlight, and it floods the apartment. And I do take a couple of fire escape breaks a few times a week, and I climb out there and just kind of get my vitamin D for fifteen twenty minutes take a phone call I sit there and watch the clouds go by if it's sunny um and really really breathe in some outside air I, I keep the window open all day long until I go to bed that's another key thing for me to keep fresh air in the apartment at all times yeah I do the same yeah Always it makes a really big difference yeah definitely I open them um, when I first wake up in the morning um to listen to the birds Mm-hmm. it's really comforting and and it's peaceful to me and I've done it in a lot of places in my bed in nature like my dad and stepmom live in the mountains so I would do it at their house I would do it when I was in Mexico like so it's just for me it's a common grounding thing as well to have like that outside life and nature and ways for sure yeah So uh, how did it start to look at your job as this all started to occur and as New York City closed down? Well, we had a, uh, it was certainly interesting. I was one of the, I was probably one of the few people in my office that was really worried about this. So a couple weeks before we closed and before the city closed, I was bringing in 
tons of rubbing alcohol. I filled a spray bottle with rubbing alcohol and told everyone on my floor to spray down the water cooler after they used it. Um, and they were like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, yeah, we like we really kind of shouldn't be coming into work at this point. But, uh, you know, we, we actually shut down earlier than some other places. It's not like we were super delayed. But um, our museum, we shut down the second, that last day of the second week in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like the whole city kind of started to shut down the next week or the week after fully. So, um a few people on staff needed to get tested and we were notified on a Thursday afternoon that basically we could only, if we really needed to, we could come in until noon the next day to gather some things, but basically like everyone had to vacate. So I didn't really have a full working day to get my, you know, I, I work with books. I keep a lot of books in my office. Um, I'm, I like, yes, I order books digitally through publisher catalogs online, but I look at my, things and I do have files and I kind of grabbed what I thought I needed and some personal stuff and obviously haven't been back in the office since um Mm -hmm. so it was a little weird in that like I feel like a few other people that closed later than us had a little more preparation time um I knew I'd be able to digitally access my desktop I knew I had VPN work from home access. My colleague, my immediate associate does not. So that's been a little challenging because I work kind of a two person team and he's someone that his personal life choice is to not have internet at home. So, uh, in a situation, and and a lot of his job doesn't exist right now with the museum closed. So while I, so my, my, my job has been a little, uh, it's been pretty full on for everyone in my individual department anyway because we I order the books that we sell in all of our retail stores so I'm a book buyer and that's a revenue source for the museum when nothing else is open so we do have an online store that's operating right now so people can make purchases and that's providing a a sliver of revenue for the museum while we're closed which is really great Um, but it means there's also a business we're trying to run at this time So while we are a museum and colleagues and other departments of the museum are pretty fully shut down or working on digital ways to engage with our visitors, um, I'm in kind of a very different aspect that's much more commercial, you know, commercially oriented, even though I research scholarly books all the time, it's in order to make a profit. So um, my job hasn't slowed down at all during this time. It's been actually pretty intense. Um, So I'm still working a full work week and uh, still need my full weekend time to recuperate appropriately from, you know, a 50-hour week. Um, But, yeah, it's been interesting. We use, you know, video chats to communicate like a lot of people right now and more email communication than usual. We could just go to someone's office and discuss something Mm face-to-face. And I think a lot of those things have been challenging and different people have been reacting differently to it. And um, where I work, there are a lot of layers, a lot of layers of management, a lot of cross-departmental engagement. So you kind of need to check with a lot of people to get really small things done. Um, And that's been, I think, an increasing challenge right now as we work remotely, for sure. And I I know a lot of people are feeling that. I know I'm not not alone in that. you know, feeling some of those frustrations. On the other hand, I am enjoying, like, I can take breaks when I want to. 
if I have a caffeine crash, I can close my laptop and have a 15 minute cat nap. Um, I actually really enjoy all those small luxuries I do get from working from mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. consistently. Like I have more time to myself in the morning before I start my work day. I have more time to myself in the evening when I end my work day. Um, and I've really been savoring that extra time. Just less commute time, right? Like you don't have to get anywhere anymore. Yeah. And I, I only walk to work, so I have the easiest commute you could have, but even I feel that like I never, I don't leave the office on time ever. I always tend to work late. And for some reason, when I'm working from home, I'm much more like, I'm like, nope, I am done. Like, especially right now with all the stuff going on around the world. Um, and so many people have been affected and in my personal group directly by this. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot weighing on us right now. I really have to keep my work hours quite strict. Otherwise it'll spill over too much. So, um, and uh, I try to be really good about that. And um, I, if I leave the office, quote unquote, on time, normally, I'm still leaving an hour and a half later than I intended to most days. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, um, I'm really quite strict with myself about my cutoff time. And uh, I start making dinner. I do a yoga class pretty much every weeknight evening. And I choose a movie or I schedule a phone date with a friend. And I kind of keep almost like a whole other schedule for my real life and outside of work right now to just be conscious of uh, kind of keeping busy and, and being good to myself right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-care is definitely more important than ever right now. I think a lot of people are realizing that. Um, I just was curious, there's been just a lot of discussion about how to save local bookstores. Oh, yes. Reality. So I was curious if you could speak to that a bit. Oh, I have so much to say about that. Uh, As you know, um, (laughs) while I work at a museum now, I started my book career actually at an independent bookstore as a temporary job part time while I was hoping to get a museum job. This was over 10 years ago. My whole goal, I used to work in the music industry and my job transition after that my whole goal was to get into museums or publishing and then I ended up landing at an indie bookstore and had no idea it could turn into like a real career but it did and uh, my old bookstore the booksmith in San Francisco has done an exceptional job I think along with a lot of other smaller businesses that have the autonomy and if they're tech savvy enough as a business um, and they're using the right software um, and they're hiring the right people if they do need third parties to code for them and whatnot. But I've seen a lot of small businesses um, pivot very quickly um, and be able to maneuver to this new climate we're in much, much better than, say, an enormous corporation um, Mm -hmm. or much bigger business. And I think it's been really impressive to see the power of... um, power of small business, how well they know their customers. Um, And again, a lot of it comes down to autonomy and a smaller organization can make those decisions and execute them quickly and efficiently, I think, in a way that larger organizations struggle um, because the approval process is longer and uh, their budgets are going to be more compromised right now. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I think it's been incredibly impressive. The Booksmith changed its website, for example, to more of a browsing format. And I think it's a little more user friendly. And they, they did that in like less than a week that changed. Wow. I think it, I, I, if I remember correctly, it might've even changed in like 48 hours. And, um, there, the book, the book industry as a whole is a lot more, um, nimble than people think compared to say if, if someone manufactures lawnmowers and uses large corporations to sell those elsewhere, the book industry and publishing is actually incredibly tech savvy and has been so for a very long time. So the primary, way that even Amazon gets their books um, is a combination of orders placed directly with a publisher, but also with wholesale distributors that carry books from all over every publisher. They throw them in their warehouse and they ship them to stores. So if you have a local bookstore and you want a book that they don't already have on the shelf, they can probably get it for you in one to two days. Um, if it's in a wholesale or distribution warehouse nearby. And now those distributors have actually all, always offered what they call ship to home. So mm-hmm. distributor can ship. So a, a bookstore employee doesn't have to go into the store, wrap up a package and then go to the post office for you to get your book. Like the book industry actually was already set up to facilitate mm-hmm. digital ordering, shipping to home from warehouses direct to indie customers, which is really great. And obviously more and more stores are using that feature now than ever before because they used to just do a combination of those things uh, for customers and now they're relying heavily on this sh- that ship to home option which is amazing uh, that that's um, you know all the, all the warehouses are following protocols by the government all the publishers are often they are obviously using smaller number of staff so they can follow so- social distancing rules um, but they're able to get a lot of books out, and with Amazon deprioritizing books right now in order to prioritize um, essentials like sanitizer and whatnot and toilet paper, um, they're deep, they've deprioritized books, um, and I think a lot of people are getting books much faster through um, smaller business models like Indies uh, than they would through places they used to shop at. And independents also offer a sense of community that everyone is really missing right now. There's story time, there are evening events, there are author events. Mm-hmm. Amazon's never offered any of that. And, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. <laughs> I know. I, 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 of course, like, like most book people I know, I boycott Amazon as much as possible. I definitely do for books. I never order books from them. Um, and, but, and I, encur- I try to encourage friends to, but I understand if you have three or four kids and the store is out of everything, and you need something into like I get it. I I, I don't judge anyone who uses convenience. That's there's there's no ethical consumption under commu- under capitalism. So I you know, but I think people have been very impressed with what mm-hmm. independents have been able to offer at this time. And I think what all, we're all really missing is community right now. And I actually think any business that offers community, and that could be your local bar, could be your local coffee shop. It could be one of your favorite restaurants in town that has like a live band that plays twice a week. It could be your local bookstore um, or a music venue. I think all of those types of uh, spaces are what people are going to crave when we come out the other side of this. I, you know, it's going to be places that offer a sense of community and indie bookstores have that in spades. So support your local indies if you can. (laughs) 
Yeah, I supported mine here. Um, Lauren, I don't know if you've ever been to Portland, um, but we have Powell's Books here. Oh, I know Powell's, yep. Yeah, it's our big bookstore. Um, And I actually did order through them and got it through the warehouse, my book through the warehouse from them, and it came pretty quickly. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so that was awesome. But, yeah, I definitely miss, like, getting to just go into Powell's and, like, smell books and, like, (laughs) browse and just... Because it's just so calm in there, too, to me. Even when it's busy, it just, like, is such a calming, like, place to me. And I yep. definitely miss that. I, I I think a lot of people feel that way. And also, a lot of my friends who are parents are buying books in in buckets right now because the libraries are closed. So they most of my friends with kids do a combination of, you know, indie bookstore buying and libraries. And the li- with the libraries shut they're buying they're purchasing more books from their local bookstores than they normally would and they are so grateful that they can because the kids young kids read fast and go through things quickly (laughs) you know um so that's something else that can be offered um which is really great um yeah we've seen a lot of live readings here um, at our, our good, my good friends at McSweeney's are doing tons of live um, readings that are pretty amazing. Um, and there's been lots of fundraisers for our local spots as well, as well as authors willing to do, um, you know, do different things in terms of like incentivizing folks buying books. So it's it's been, I think it's exciting to see. And I think you're right, like the heart and soul of books are going to be in those independent bookstores and not um, on an online service that doesn't really provide that community. No, it doesn't. And you have to know what you want in order to have online work effectively for you through one of the big um, chains like or, or Amazon, uh, whereas you, you can't replicate the browsing experience that way of not knowing what's going to be on the shelf. Um, similarly to actually, I'm one of maybe one of the few people that actually misses a video store for similar reasons or a DVD store, or whatever. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I feel like, like sure. Netflix has a lot of stuff, but whenever I think of something I want to watch, they never have it. Whereas I miss walking into phase in the mission in San Francisco Woo-hoo! and, talking to the staff there being like hey i really loved this like british indie film do you have something else in this vein and they always would pull out something i hadn't heard of before and i usually ended up liking it or just their their new release section would have selections of stuff that was more to my taste than what i see pushed on me aggressively by you know netflix the trailers start instantly the minute you open the program and i'm just like i don't I don't need to see Tiger King. That's so not up my alley. Like, that is the last thing I want to look at. Like, I'm someone that watches, like, antique shows to calm down, okay? Like, I I watch, like, old men in old cars driving around England buying antiques. Like, that's my jam. So, I, you know, and, like, I I watch a few, like, mystery thriller things, but I have to keep it pretty low-key because I have a pretty visceral experience to film. But anyway, what I'm saying is is you you can't replicate that in-person conversation and personal recommendations and also just what's, even if you don't talk to a staff member, what's available on the shelf, um, you you might glance at something you never would have just shopping online um, and actually buy it and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of those businesses will be around when this is over. I think a lot of them have, have been able to pivot very quickly um, and have done a remarkable job. So hopefully that will get them through. Yeah. 
Um, I know you have a strong relationship with movement um, through dance, and I know that you're a big. Uh, you're always dancing like to your own music or music of others. So I'm curious how you've been able to create that in the space of your your <laughs> square foot of your. Uh, well, my, I'm sure my neighbors think I'm crazy at this point because um, more of my neighbors across the street, but possibly ones in my own building. I do. I do have some speakers that my dad got me a few years ago that I love, and they have excellent sound quality. Um, it's way better than Bluetooth. It's so good. So I admit I sometimes need the music to be a certain volume in order to like get kind of spiritually in- engaged and kind of uplifted, and it makes a difference. And I do follow some amazing DJs online that play really upbeat stuff, and I don't know. It happens pretty spontaneously. I was watching... Um, Zoolander the other night for the first time since it was in this in the cinema I've been I've definitely been going down the like vintage SNL ish you know road of like 90s like Night at the Roxbury and yeah (laughs) I've been which inspired several really good dance parties that soundtrack is incredible yeah um yeah so I've definitely been in that mode lately but I was watching Zoolander and enjoying it I hadn't seen it since it since it was in the cinema but I just kind of like I was like you know I really want to hear Bach's uh sixth cello suite right now so I hit pause on Zoolander I turned on one of Bach's cello suites and I put on my ballet slippers and started twirling around the apartment for whatever reason and I only have a really small studio it's like 250 square feet my main room maybe is that and then I have a tiny, tiny, tiny kitchen and a tiny bathroom. But the main room is just a box, and it's not very big, and my bed takes up most of it. But I have enough space. I can do a few things. And I just kind of whirled around for, like, an hour. And I, I do that. I can't really predict when I'm going to be in the mood for it, but I'm grateful that I can. And I'm, I've realized if I wear my ballet slippers, I don't get splinters. I have hardwood floors, and I I have injured myself a few times since quarantine started. Um <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> dancing <laughs> not not like sprained things just wood splinters from a really living in an old building um i mean my floors are finished but there uh there are a couple of gaps between the, the wooden slats the floorboards and um you know sometimes they'll go places you don't want them to um and yeah i i've there's some really amazing DJs doing, I, I really think the creatives and performing artists are really getting us through this. And uh, even though a lot of times I don't, I don't always like tune into anything. I have my own playlists that, that night I really wanted to hear Bach. And then I realized that uh, a party I really love in New York called the Freedom Party. It happens at a venue called Poisson Rouge in the village. Every Thursday they play old school hip hop, soul and R&B. Mm. And that DJ was on. It was, it was a Thursday night, so I don't know. I did I did some kind of ballet twirling for like half an hour, and then I was like, I'm going to switch this up. And then he was playing Missy Elliott and Tribe Called Quest, so yes. then I danced to hip-hop for another hour or two. Like and, and then I got back to Zoolander, and then I went to bed. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh, I would recommend uh, there's a British DJ who's based in New York who hosts a really fantastic community based, I would say, party and that everyone that goes is very friendly and really lovely. It's it's inspired by Romy and Michelle's uh, the movie. Um, mm-hmm. 
And he takes requests. I post it. Is this the line? <laughs> yeah. He he takes requests. Uh, it's an all request party, uh, DJ party. Um, that's usually I think once a month, and he takes requests on post-it notes on the DJ booth. Um, <laughs> And it's really great. His name is Rod Thomas, and he goes by Bright Light um, online, and he has a Twitch, and he's on Facebook Live and does Instagram Live. And he, I really like his DJ sets, and he plays every Saturday now from, for five hours. And so I often tune into him, and I don't always full-on dance, I, but I kind of, you know, DJs who kind of talk about the music they like as they DJ, there's a lot of that happening right now, and you learn a little bit about some of the songs or inspiration or something about the DJ who's spinning it, and um, it's comforting. It's nice, and the music's pretty upbeat, um, so uh, he knows a lot, so I've, I like him a lot, but he's also just got a very mellow energy. He's not like, you tune in, and he's like, we're gonna walk! Like, <laughs> He's very, um, I mean, he'll be playing like, you know, Kylie Minogue and Pet Shop Boys and things that you really want to dance to. But he's kind of like, I think this song is really fabulous. And it reminds me of this other one. And then I'm going to play that next. And this is going to be great. And, um, you know, I'm trying to tap into people like that. And I tip them whenever I can. I say, if you can afford to tip your musicians or performers or artists or buy tickets for online events that are happening hosted by institutions you want to be around when this is over Mm -hmm. um yeah but yeah i can't really predict when i'm gonna just dance it just kind of (laughs) happens i feel like the cool stuff about all the online like performances and readings is like people are just being more personal like my roommate was saying like even the talk show hosts doing in-home um like night shows and just how much more like into people's personal lives we're almost getting with people who are even famous and just probably all Mm -hmm. those djs and different writers because they are just home in their space yeah so i think that aspect is really cool Mm -hmm. it's interesting it's really interesting i think um in a, before quarantine started, something I noticed, I grew up doing ballet as a kid and took it very seriously. And um, I knew I wouldn't become a professional, but I did all the training as if I was going to. I, I kind of knew I wouldn't make it, but I did all the stuff just as intensely. A lot of my friends became professionals. But I something that's interesting in watching young dancers now, and I still take or I was taking ballet class regularly in New York City, uh, obviously not at the moment. Um, but, uh, something I think so interesting that the current generation of youngsters has, uh, that I did not was that intimate connection with so many dancers on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, and other, other platforms and YouTube, and they show you how they put on their makeup backstage and they talk about, you know, in a two minute video, they'll be like, yeah. You know, one time I had this teacher that told me I would never, ever be, you know, black swan. And now here I am, a principal dancer. And they open up about, you know, social media has been, it can be, a, a you know, obviously there's, there are a lot of dark sides to social media I think we're all aware of. But it's been interesting to me to see younger kids follow um, dancers who offer this kind of intimate backstage access that was never around when I was a kid. Um and it's, it's interesting, and I think it makes a lot of things more human, whether it's dance or music or other things. And now, of course, because of quarantine, it's just hap- all of that is happening on a much larger scale. 
across art forms and industries and, and, um, you know, whatever you're into, someone's online talking about it right now. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, a lot of kids are also into TikTok, which I follow Uh a lot of dancers just cause all, I love all the dance, uh, like reality shows, like, so you think you can dance and world of dance. Um, so I follow a lot of those people and they all always put on like, like show choreography. So it's cool for like kids who their families can't afford, you know, dance class or something. They yep. kind of have uh-huh. a virtual like dance class. And I've been seeing that it's even true. more so um, now, but they've always done it, which I think is really cool. It is really cool. I'm not on TikTok, but I've seen a few things go viral through other channels. And I, it's particularly um, er- what I would call urban dance or or dance geared towards, say, a music video setting. Mm-hmm. For a lot of those um, those forms, it's a really it's really interesting. Like something, for example, in the 1920s, like the Charleston, took a lot longer to take off globally, and it tended to start with only really privileged people because those mm-hmm. were the people who could travel. So. If I, I don't even remember where the Charleston started, someone could dig out their music, their dance history book and figure that out. But all all that kind of <laughs> all that kind of stuff took a lot longer to, and now it's so instant. And if you've got an internet connection, you have access, and I think it's brilliant. And um, I actually have been trying to teach myself the choreography to a music video. I really love uh, the choreographer for um, there's a London band called Jungle. To have really amazing, uh, they have really great music, and they also have beautifully choreographed music videos. Um, and I've been trying to teach myself some of the moves from one of their videos. I now have like a real television screen that's really big. I didn't used to have one. If, uh, my good friend Amy from Booksmith gave it to me, and uh, I can hook up my laptop through HDMI cable and watch these music videos on like a 35 inch screen or whatever the heck it is. Mm. Um, and then face it and and try it and put, put the YouTube video on slow motion. You can take the speed down on YouTube and try to teach myself the dance moves. So that is another quarantine activity I should probably get back to because I haven't gotten very far. I've learned like 15 seconds of the dance. It's really hard. Like it seems it seems so easy when I watch it. There are moves I can do, but it's compl- something I think we'll all be for a variety of reasons, we'll all be very glad to get back to real life, but um, you can't, it's very, it's so much more challenging to teach yourself a dance from a video, actually, than it is from the person right in front of you. It's so much, fa- it's a, there's something happens with your brain and the neurons and whatever and things, your body communicating, um, bodies communicating in a room do it much more efficiently than through a video. Um but it's better than nothing, so that's what I'm doing for now. But um, I, I, if I was a scientist, that would be something I would love to study, would, would be um, how does the brain process motion? Because um, I was noticing how difficult it was for me to learn the dance. Also slowed down. It was, it was kind of ended up being better for me to learn it faster and do it 80 million more times. Um, but... Uh, there are also a lot of dancers teaching things. There's a there's a Tuesday afternoon, James Whiteside. He's a pr- principal dancer from American Ballet Theater. He has a huge social media following. He's also a drag queen with his own music videos and drag. And Ooh, yes, he he does a. 
he has an amazing physique. He's an incredible performer. I've seen him at Lincoln Center many times. He's really, uh, he's really an, an exceptional male dancer uh, for ballet, but he's also amazing in all these other areas. And he's been doing, uh, like a lot of dancers right now, he's been teaching ballet classes virtually online through InstaLive and whatever. But he, Tuesdays in the afternoon on East Coast time, he does a jazz class, like a 90s and it's 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 an hour, and it's he always chooses an upbeat tune. His choreography changes every week. It goes with the music, and he does enough repetitions. You can actually learn the little the middle micro routine by the time you're done with it. Um, and it's so helpful to have someone actually teach it to you rather than just source it, source something yourself and teach it yourself. It really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, that was probably way too long of an answer. <laughs> no, that was a great answer. And I would kill to see a drag ballet. Does he do that? Because <laughs> um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, he's, he should. So his he his drag it. career is a drag career. It's like separate from his ballet career. There yeah. is there is a, a New York-based drag company you should check out called Ballet Monte Carlo de Trocadero. And... They've been around since the 70s, and they are an all-male drag ballet company, and they actually do the real ballet choreography from historic ballets. They're all in point. They wear point shoes. They have chest hair, and they have armpit hair, and they do it. (laughs) Yes. That sounds so amazing. I'm going to look that up. Can we watch it immediately? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm sure sure they've got stuff online. They have – they're really – I grew up watching them as a kid because they, I grew up dancing, taking the actual dancing very seriously, but I also took the history of dance very seriously. And the Trox actually do the historic choreography from these real ballets. They goof, they parody them. They make fun of Swan Lake. They have fun while they're doing it. They, they have tons of slapstick jokes. It's ridiculous. It's a real riot. Um, but they also, they legit do the choreography. It's, it's incredible. They're a really talented uh, company. Um, they started, the company started doing loft parties, I think in Soho possibly, um, in New York back in the day when you could afford to have loft parties in Soho as a group of artists. Um, and, uh, and it just kind of took off and actually became an official company and they, they tour the world. Um, and uh, they're, they're really great. They actually have performed in my hometown of Fresno, California several times uh, to rapturous applause. They really... Um, this, their combination of, of humor and respect for the lineage and history of ballet and the talent they bring to the stage and their uh, performance, their, their reach, their, you know, their real, you know, the combination of like professional dancers and clowns in a way, you know, and clowning is a real art form and they, um, they really have a pretty <laughs> amazing talent for all of those things. Mm-hmm. So we've shared some weird habits we've picked up during quarantine. Have you picked up any weird habits that you'd be willing to share? Hand washing my underwear, maybe. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yes. I like that one. I mean, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine pairs. I have a lot, so I don't have to do it very often. Um, but I guess that's something I'm like. I don't, yeah, it's like it's now sort of like a new routine, I guess, having we it's a sort of a new habit. I don't know, a habit. Um, I now have like six bottles of wine chilling in the fridge at all times. It now seems completely normal. Um, 
what else weird weird i'm already weird to begin with yeah so right. i don't <laughs> i know um, yeah i guess i don't know I, i'm definitely doing more of my solo dance parties than i used to i used to do that more occasionally that's definitely become like several times a week frequent um i'm actually being better about a lot of things i'm finding like i'm 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 showering totally regularly, the kind of like letting yourself get gross thing I haven't indulged in because I know once I do, I'll never come back from the other (laughs) side. So I also, I think having like, I'm still working full time and have video, multiple like meetings every day through virtual chat. And yes, you can turn the camera off, but I think we communicate better when we can see each other's faces most of the time. So I still get dressed every day and I put my makeup on and I shower daily and, uh, um, definitely let the dishes slip a little bit but it's hard because it's they're always dishes when you're living at home full yeah, time when you're like, constantly yeah. home, you're like i live in new york i'm used to eating at home like twice a week like <laughs> three times a day is a lot um <laughs> and i don't have a dishwasher so um but i'm trying to be better about because i notice how much better i feel when things are in order so you know I'll put off doing the dishes for a few days and then uh, do them and be like, wow, okay, yeah, I really like having a clean kitchen. And then I like clean them all the time every day for the following two or three weeks. Like it, there's kind of an ebb and a flow depending. I, yeah, I'd say the, the weirdest thing is, is things like not checking my mail every day and cleaning my underwear in my sink and, uh, I don't know. Read, reading a book in the bathtub, which I didn't used to do. Yeah. I used I used to always read The New Yorker, but I, I let my New Yorker subscription run out, um, which I feel bad about. But um, I have a friend who's stashing them for me. Um, and I, I'm kind of trying to – my part of my self-care is, is avoiding too much topical news. Yeah. So I love The New Yorker and their journalism, but I've heard from friends who subscribe. They've been doing a lot of intense coverage, and I kind of – need need to take a break from that so i don't want to renew my subscription yet so i've been reading a book instead of a magazine in the bathtub when i take baths um that's fair i've been eating dessert in the tub and i've never done that before (laughs) (laughs) so something i will say i've indulged i never used to keep ice cream at home because i was always just kind of yeah you just i don't know you end up out in new york a lot so I would sometimes get ice cream on a lunch break or something. And now I include gelato in all of my grocery orders, which is new. I didn't used to do that. I love my ice cream, but I didn't used to like have it in the house all the time. And now I definitely, it definitely feels essential now. Mm-hmm. Gelato, gelato and having a couple of bottle of wine, bottles of wine on hand feels very essential right now, even if I go through them slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, I'm, also curious about dating oh god uh <laughs> what, what's happening on that front i mean it's it's a it's a big question mark without this right you know navigating what is dating with apps and and what the, all that is but i'm just curious what what what's happening for you in that realm right now or if that's on pause it started off being on pause, and I think in many, in reality, it still very much is because the only people that seem to want to write me back are guys that don't live in New York. So, I, 
I turned off. I, I've off and on done online dating for years, as Bueller, as Kate knows. Um, <laughs> and I, I turned them off, everything off, um, right before this happened. And then a couple weeks went by, and girlfriends of mine who were single were like, "Oh, well, I'm chatting with this guy," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, maybe, maybe I shouldn't close the door." So I reopened it. And I've matched with, like, dozens and dozens of guys who do live in New York, and none of them are responding, frankly. Um, Even if they message first and I respond, I'm not hearing from them again, which was my usual pattern. I don't know what I say in messages that is such a – maybe my messages smell bad. I don't know. But um, I try to keep it short and to the point, and I always ask them questions, so all they have to do is talk about themselves because guys love that. So I (laughs) – you know, I, I try to do follow the, the, the online dating rules everyone recommends, and I still – but I'm finding Euro, European or not – I shouldn't say European. There's also a couple of other non-American guys who have been messaging more, and they're sending me pictures. They're sending me videos of themselves cooking in Paris, and I'm like, I could do this. This is great. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with New York guys? I have no idea. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I, I, maybe they've already shacked up with someone and they don't need the digital communication. I don't know. But yeah. I I go back and forth between debating with friends what this is going to look like afterwards. Like, are we all going to be so desperate that we're going to be like, our standards are going to be so low by the time we're out here. We're just going to want to hook up with whatever is breathing. And or... <laughs> Is courtship going to return? Because there's been there's going to be a lot of people maybe finally meeting after this extended these extended conversations of video chats. Possibly, I haven't actually been asked to do video chat with anyone, but some of my younger girlfriends have, which I think is nice. It's a good way to get a read on someone. Um, and you know, are they still gonna? You're gonna think you know someone really well, but it's just so different in person. I think um, to get to know someone in person versus starting what is essentially long distance, even if they're across the street right now, because of how we have to communicate for the foreseeable future. Um, for me, it hasn't, besides non, non-American, non-New York city men, it hasn't been very productive time. Um, but that's, that's not that different for me. So <laughs> it's kind of my usual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wonder if everyone is just going to go crazy and hook up immediately when this is over, or if they're going to be like, actually, you're kind of different than I thought you were. Bye. You know, like, uh, cause we're going to be meeting people for the first time, possibly after talking to them for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw, uh, I saw a TikTok of a guy who like somehow got his neighbor's or his neighbor's number and like they set up like a date night together but across the way they could see each other from each other's windows I guess okay um and yeah they like had a little date night it was cute I think with video you can get quite a bit across you know but that doesn't um you might you might be able to tell through video through consistent video chats that you actually like are going to continue to be curious about this person until you meet in real life. But only only real life are you going to find out like can you get through a night together of dinner and drinks 
and or a film, will you argue about it? Will you not? Will you be in alignment on X, Y, Z? Um, will you have that- sex? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder if people, though, in dating will be, like, more inclined to have deeper conversation at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. I feel like right now people are, like, having yep. just more real conversations than they usually have with people. And so I wonder if people will just carry that into dating life after this. I feel like if they're open to it, I'm I'm not... Again, besides the guys that are talking back to me, I can't really speak for the guys that haven't responded, right? But I'm mm. assuming if they haven't responded, some some of the guys who drop off are after several exchanges. Um, and I think some of them still can't handle sustained conversation without, without frankly, some kind of payout. I hate to put it that way, but um, I think that's also why quite a few people have have dropped off possibly I don't can't really say I don't know these guys like that's what's so bizarre is it's kind of like how much do you invest in all the chit chat you can meet them and in less than two seconds no you're not really chemically attracted to them um which for someone like me is a problem I definitely uh, I I know that about myself so um that's important so I'm, I'm trying to be careful and kind of just like not put too much into it, but if someone seems cool, put it out there. And if they continue chatting, I'm open to sustaining that. But I'm not going to, like, go out of my way chasing stuff or hunting right now. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how long this is going to go on for. And you could chat for months and then meet them and not really like them. Yeah, so true. I don't want to go get too um, involved. I know a few people that have been on social distance dates where they've met up and stayed 10 feet apart to try and get a read you know um but i don't know of any of those going further than that yeah as they shouldn't right now we should yeah, everyone, should, like, be, everyone should be very safe <laughs> yes but definitely shouldn't be getting closer than than 10 feet um lauren we are curious do you have any questions for us we'd like to ask folks who have been generous with their time if you'd like to ask us us any questions do you ever see any naked people on the beach? <laughs> you, you, go to the, you go to the beach a lot. It seems like a good time to get naked on the beaches of San Francisco. Hey, if I wanted to, you know, really go viral, I'd go naked on the beach. But <laughs> I got to keep that day job. Um, there has been some naked people on the beach. Always down towards uh, <laughs> Golden Gate. And always, always folks you just don't want to see naked. I know why. Why is it always the way? Just when I need some eye candy, people. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's never. It's never the. No. It's, yeah, it's never what you want to see. Here we call them leathers. <laughs> the old men who like look like they just bake in the sun every day of their life, and their skin almost looks like leathery. Uh, that's all that's at our nude river spots. And in, in Portland, are you getting out on the street at all? Do you go outside? Um, yeah, I mean, I go on walks in my neighborhood. Um, but beyond that, the only other place I've gone is a grocery store. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to do my part and be responsible. I know there's a lot of other people who are, like, doing more than that. Like, people going hiking and stuff, which I think is irresponsible. But... 
you know, I'm not gonna, not trying to judge them too hard, but yeah, I mean, I have like a lot of anxiety, so for me, it's just easiest if I stay home in my own space and same. Yep. My, my other question as a book person is what are you guys reading? If anything right now? Oh, well, let me, let me get my pile out for you, my dear. Um, well, the book I just got, uh, is called One of Us is Lying. I haven't started it yet, but Mm, it's a young adult, yeah, it's a young adult book. Um, it's supposed to be a big page turner. Someone dies at the beginning and they can't kind of figure out who it, who did it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start that one soon. Um, Bridge is a big book lover. And she's a writer as well. Um, but for me, what's on my uh, side table is always a lot of things. I'd like to read multiple books at once. So I just started Little Weirds by Jenny Slate. Praise another funny woman out there. Uh-huh. Um, it is pretty amazing. I actually had a friend send this to me via a book swap. I encourage folks, if you got a library, send your friends some books and a note. And now I'm getting books back, which is really great. Um and then I started this as this all shook out, and it's called All About Love. It's by Bell Hooks, who's a visionary about oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. It just, you know, race. and Now she's talking about love, and by the way, it's great. And then I keep on going back to Big Magic from Miss uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, just because sometimes mm-hmm. I need to remind myself of this way of being creative and pushing myself, especially at this time, and just allowing shit to happen and not you know ride ride run the waves of all of this so that's been helpful have you guys seen sex in the city in a while Cause oh I my watched, gosh that's what i've been watched, binge watching recently <laughs> i i'd never seen it before me, quarantine yeah me neither oh really so this is crazy both of you are, are watching it for the first time i've watched it from when it was first coming out so what how right. are you liking it I I mean I finished it and I watched the first film but I I kind of went through it in a month which is crazy like I'd say March through April I was watching it and I I thought about it because in the especially in the beginning of the series like Big has his car phone and then at some point yeah. you know, his cell phone is enormous and it's so funny but um I really enjoyed it and I knew a lot what I found fascinating was that I did absorb a lot of the plot without watching it like that's how big a pop culture phenomenon the show was and how I think obviously mostly my female friends were paying attention to it and watching it as it was on I never really engaged though so it was something like people were watching in their dorm rooms or when you went to someone's house it might be on and I'd catch the episode for some reason I saw one of the episodes where she was dating Berger like a million times um, (laughs) and didn't see much else but I absorbed so many plot lines without actually watching it, which I think says a lot about um, the reach the show had and what it, how, how it spoke to people, um, women, I imagine, in particular. And I, I found it incredibly um, a little depressing in that uh, aspects of the things, particularly double standards for women, how true a lot of them still are. Like Miranda tends to have to lie about what she does for a living to get a date. Yeah. I've, def- I've definitely had men drop off the map after they found out where I worked and what I do for a living. Um, and when there's some kind of imbalance, and I don't know why, because I don't feel the same way about that. Um, 
I, I don't mind dating someone that works three or four jobs or, you know, doesn't earn as much as me. Like none of that stuff bothers me. Um, so I find it weird that it seems to bug them, but whatever, um, stuff like that can be interesting. And some of my initial superficial without watching the show criticisms have also remained true. Like Mm -hmm. no woman writes at home all day long in four inch monologues. That's right. That's not real. Like, the only, nope. in my, the only women who ever looked decent in the show were Charlotte and Samantha, in my opinion, got styled very well. I never liked the clothes Carrie, they put Carrie and Miranda in ever. Um, Miranda is awful. Carrie, sometimes I'm like, yes. And then sometimes I'm like, what are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you done? Are you done with the series yet? What part are you at? Um, no, I'm in season five, but I think I'm okay. almost to season six. Okay, yeah, I won't I won't say any I've been trying to be careful in case. Yeah, you're not you're not done yet, so I won't say anything else. <laughs> but I I enjoyed it and uh I think it's a clever show and now I actually want to read the original newspaper columns that they're based on. I'm actually very mm-hmm. curious curious to read those at some point. Um But yeah, I, I also think it I started off quarantine subconsciously watching things filmed exclusively in New York. I didn't realize it till I was like three or four weeks in and I was like, huh, I'm kind of only watching stuff that's been filmed in New York mostly besides my old man and antique shows. Um, and I, it's probably, I guess, because, you know, we can't really get out right now. And it's, it's nice. It's comforting to see like the streets full of cabs and people at restaurants and, mm-hmm to sort of weirdly virtually live and, and um, it's kind of makes you, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a, a small comfort bizarrely. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's it for our time. We're wishing you mini ballet twirls dance parties. <laughs> Zoom meetings that actually are efficient, and, wine. Lots, of, and lots of book reading Cocktails. while just sipping on wine. Is that what we heard? Uh, there have been a couple of those for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, there's actually about to be one with a couple of friends in ten minutes. So yeah, a uh, book, couple of book friends. Yeah, I definitely talk too much. So I'm sorry if you regret all of the editing you're gonna have to oh, do. Oh no, actually, to me. you're you were a great interview. You're exactly what we want. <laughs> so thanks for talking to us um and it was nice meeting you and hearing about your experience likewise you'll be one of the first people i visit when i go to portland i have a few friends there and i actually have never been so it would Definitely be really come. great go i've house. never been either house is i've everything. never been either see come at the same time when Bridget no. allows me to see her again in real life <laughs> after I've had the all this all the tests, the vaccine, and uh, maybe a superhero cape, I'm allowed it back in. So I will plan a trip with you, Lauren. <laughs> that would be great. And we can go to Powell's and spend all of our money. <laughs> yes. yes, that's the dream. <laughs> all right, big hugs. Hang in there. We're with you. Yeah, stay safe. Be well. Hugs too. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.